0: Steve Bose. It is great to be with you. Trish McFarlane, uh, not with me today. She is on assignment. We say hi to her and we will talk to her very, very soon. Uh, of course, I want to thank all the HR Happy Hour listeners. We've had a great run of shows so far uh, this year and uh, just going to head into the end of 2017 with some fantastic stuff coming up, uh, including today's show, which is going to be amazing too. So I'm super excited about what's happening at the HR Happy Hour show and I, I, I appreciate everybody for, for joining us along the way. Of course, thanks to our friends and show sponsor, Virgin Pulse. Uh, You can check them out at www.virginpulse.com. And for me, of course, I'll keep pitching this for a few more weeks. The HR Technology Conference coming up in just about three short weeks, www.hrtechconference.com. Use my code, my code, my gift to you, dear listener, Steve200, for $200 off your registration For the event hope to see lots of hr happy hour listeners out there and last thing we've announced uh, our four finalist companies our startup companies for the next great hr technology company that we will be battling for that title at the conference in october their names are papaya global beamery best money moves and blueboard so many thanks to them and thanks to all of our uh, semi-finalists as well who competed for the right to go to hr tech in october And present. It's going to be a fantastic uh, session and uh, super excited about that as well. So, all right, that's it. That's all the announcements. I want to get right to it. We have a super guest lined up waiting in the wings uh, to join us today. Her name is Jenny Dearborn. She is the Senior Vice President and Chief Learning Officer at SAP. Prior to SAP, Jenny was the CLO at SuccessFactors, where her team was recognized as the number one performing corporate learning department by eLearning Magazine and won numerous industry awards for sales enablement and learning impact management. Previously, Jenny led learning and development at Hewlett-Packard for global sales and enterprise marketing, global technology services, and global corporate learning strategy. She's a leader in learning, leadership and business culture, a regular contributor to mainstream business and industry media, and an author and an author. New book coming out in November. We're going to talk about that as well. Jenny, your bio is so long and so distinguished. I can't do it justice. I don't want to keep reading it. Let's just welcome you right to the show. Jenny Dearborn, how are you today? I am great.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. I'm really excited about our conversation.
0: Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, being a part of the show today, Jenny. Uh, this is a really great subject, but before we dive into sort of learning and uh, what's happening in learning, uh, particularly today, in, in sort of the modern era? Maybe you could tell us uh, something else about you. I didn't read the whole bio. Is there anything else you want to share? We chatted before the show briefly. We're both undergoing some construction in our respective locations. Uh, maybe just uh, tell us, uh, tell the audience a little bit more about you.
1: Uh, sure, I can I can talk about the construction on my house if that's interesting, yeah. but. Um, probably probably more, more interesting is that I am completely obsessed with superheroes and comics, and I have been uh, that way my entire uh, long life, and um, I have sort of transitioned that love into becoming a professional artist. Wow. And so I uh, paint large canvas uh, superhero paintings, acrylic on canvas, you know, 10 feet by 10 feet um replicas of classic comic images wow. and then All right. uh,
0: sometimes them. You're, seldom... you're officially the most awesome <laughs> guest we've ever had i I did not see that one coming
1: wow
0: uh, that is fantastic wow. dc yeah, so D- Let me. That's no, my... yeah i gotta ask you really no we're going to talk about this for a second before we get into learning dc or marvel jenny where where are we at
1: um well, both. Uh, so my home is a, is a, is a giant gallery of, okay. of my art. I sometimes sell stuff, but my art is all over the world. Um, and um, you know, I'm sort of, I, I, I got a shout out to my, to my gal, my, my lady wonder woman. So, so there's my DC, but other than her really it's Marvel. So I, you know, I'm not going to say Republican or Democrat I'm going to say candidate by candidate right yeah. so I I love I love Wonder Woman but then I really love the humanity and sort of the complexity um and the flawed characters that you have in marvel they're so much more um real and relatable wow that's
0: fantastic you know i yesterday i was out and about in public and i'm gonna admit this i'll admit this jenny to you because i think you'll you'll be you'll be fine with it i was out and about in public i attended my son's cross-country race i was wearing a green lantern t-shirt the entire afternoon so i'm with you i'm with you on this
1: yeah, well, I have I wear Wonder Woman um, uh, jewelry every day of my life. <laughs> that is fantastic. So I have a I have a large silver wrist cuff uh, that I wear every single day, and wow. people think I'm nuts. But you know what? I am who I am, so it it all works out.
0: That is amazing. All right, so we I better stop because I would talk about comic books and comic heroes all day. Maybe we're gonna have to do another show, Jenny, where we that's what we talk about, and that'll be fun. But I'm uh, a huge comics guy myself, have been forever. The uh, let's talk about learning though, uh, Jenny, Chief Learning Officer, a big company like SAP. There's so many interesting things happening in learning, and and I would maybe maybe we'll start with this. You've been in in learning at corporate or organizations for for a little while. Maybe share with us one or two of kind of the most important, maybe more substantive changes in learning in that in, in organizational learning in the last say five or ten years is it is it the technology changing is it the methods we're approaching uh, delivering learning in organization is it is it the focus or a commitment to, to, to training and development or maybe it's something else what, what's sort of changed in, in your world in the last say five years Um, I'm gonna answer that a
1: couple different ways so I'm gonna say the big scale changes, because I've been in this field for a while. So I would say um, 15 years ago, we were learning and development was very much a uh, delivery focused function, right? It was very much the stage on a stage, the person up in front. We still were flying people around, right. you know, and a great class was, a, was a, a, a physical instructor in front of a room of, Twenty, fifty, a hundred people, um, and then we changed as an industry to very much a design-focused approach. Um, and you know, we had um, WBTs. Do you remember the day? Uh, and then we had oh, sorry, CBTs on cd rom Yeah, and then CBTs.
0: WBTs. Yeah, I do remember that that term. Yeah.
1: And then we had um, you know e-learning. Um, and now we're having all sorts of other new you know, modalities, micro-learning, things like that, video-based learning. Um, and so really we went from a design-focused approach to really a governance approach. So I would say in the last five years or something, um, our function is really coming to terms with we are no longer in control. Okay. Um, we are not the center. This is not a command and control. I'm learning organization. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. I'm going to work with the client. The client is going to tell me um, what the learning and development is. And then if you want something, you got to get it from me. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So that was, we're not in that space anymore. Content comes from everywhere. And our role is the governance and the facilitation and the platform and the space. Uh, for learning to happen, for learning and development to occur, and it's our job to champion and protect that space, but not to control and not to mandate what happens in that space, but to ensure that the, those activities happen. Um, but, you know, I still meet learning leaders at, at other companies around the world who are, who are in that command and control sort of mentality still, and that's that's very dangerous, I believe, in, in um, sort of a, as we move forward as a function.
0: Yeah, I, I, Jenny, I think you're uh, absolutely right about that. And it, it raises some interesting challenges, though, for, for CLOs like yourself or just any leader in an organization who's tasked with not just making sure folks are have learned the things they need to know or have the correct skills uh, in order to, to uh, fulfill a certain role in the organization, but also just to get – Get work done. Get be more efficient. Be more productive. Meet the challenges of, of, of dynamic and changing marketplaces. So it sounds to me like not not having been in in directly in learning, Jenny. It sounds to me like the role uh, of of the CLO or of a learning leader has gotten a little bit more complicated. Is that fair to say in the last five years as well?
1: Yeah, definitely more complicated um, and more strategic. I think as um, more as data and analytics becomes more prevalent in the business world, it it is a necessity that that gets pulled into the work that we're doing as learning leaders. And I think that's catching some learning leaders off guard a little bit. So that's a, probably a very significant aspect of, of complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the case that um, people in the learning function co- tend to – Uh, find themselves in this function after having done lots of other things, um, either in HR or in corporations, uh, and, um, you know, they are pretty well connected at their organization. Um, they, they know the content and the needs of the business. So it's, well, why don't you lead this function? You know, so they tend to be, it tends to be one of the last stops, um, in someone's career. And um, and I think that the role is changing very, very rapidly, uh, probably faster than some chief HR officers who are hiring that learning leader or if the learning leader, depending on where the learning leader sits in the organization, I think the role is changing faster than than whoever is hiring for that role is aware of. And um, so I think we really need a new profile for that uh learning leader uh you know that that highest um sort of thought leader that that's driving the function yeah. and it's it's very complex and i'm not sure that the uh industry is adapting yeah, that's as, re- as fast yeah. as it could yeah
0: jenny that's a really interesting point because you know on the on, on the hr happy hour show we talk about hr and organizational issues and workforce issues all the time it's not very often someone brings up the 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 actual skills capabilities experiences Needed by HR slash learning people themselves, right? That's a really interesting uh, point that you make, uh, Jenny, and, and, and I think a, I think a good one. But uh, are we sure always that you know the folks who are tasked with kind of owning these issues in organizations? Do we sort of know the things we need to know ourselves, uh, or, or, or to be capable of delivering the kinds of solutions and 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 the programs that our organization needs? I think that's a great point.
1: Yeah, I when I when I travel around and and speak to groups. Um, I, I really challenge the audience to look hard at themselves and say, you know, what really is the purpose of your role? Um, are you bringing your best self to the role in service of the goals and objectives of the company that in which you work? Um, what do you need to know that's different um, what new skills and capabilities do you need to know that you don't currently know that would be of greater value to your company? Um, It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do to look hard at yourself and, and, and challenge yourself and say, how can I do this better? Um, You know, really look hard at the external environment, the external marketplace, geopolitical forces, you know, what's going on, you know, what are the big, uh, technology changes, social changes that are happening in the world and challenge yourself and say, am I up to the task of being, you know, the, of the greatest service that I can be to my company, to my client, um, into the goals and objectives and the mission of, of my client?
0: Yeah, as and, and as well. And then the second part of that, I think, and, and which is I'd like to talk about sort of next, Jenny, is kind of the, that ownership of your own career, your own development, and your own your own future as as a person as a professional right as an individual, uh, one of the things that 's been really interesting to me, kind of following what 's been happening in learning and organizational learning, both from kind of a person kind of in an industry observer person you know and commentator, and as well as just a practitioner myself, is kind of the 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 challenge or the tension maybe is a way to say it between this idea of organizations who maybe more traditionally provided lots of training opportunities, lots of learning and development, much of it formal, as you said, Jenny, much of it delivered in formal mechanisms and in programs, versus kind of a more modern uh approach of, you know, employees need to own their own career you own your own development no one no company quote unquote and i'm not speaking about any specific company here jenny but just the the collective right corporate america if you will or or global corporation they really that paternalistic view of an employee and his or her developments kind of gone away or at least that's the common kind of refrain these days that's gone away and i wonder jenny as a clo you're you're in a big company and you don't necessarily have to talk specifically about how SAP approaches it, but maybe just how you kind of approach that and think about that tension between what organizations can, should, or are doing in terms of development for their employees and this idea of, hey, you're on your own, Mr. or Miss Employee. You've got to own your own development. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, all my comments are uh, not about SAP, about the industry and, sure. and my experience working with lots and lots and lots of companies. So, um I've seen it swing all kinds of different directions, <laughs> that that topic. Um, so it was very paternalistic for a long time where uh, somebody would come into a, a company and say, okay, I'm ready for you to tell me what to do, to shape me, to mold me, to point me in the right direction, to tell me what's next, um, to have my best interests at heart and you know, create opportunities, things like that. And then I saw in companies um, in the 90s that people, that is really impossible for us to do as a company. It's expensive and it's it's we just can never seem to get it right. So then it was a really hard shift to being very hands off and a really startling message that I saw lots of companies give their employees yeah. um, in the mid 90s to mid 2000s. Like you own your own career. I mean, it was almost like a marketing message went out that said you're now you're now um accountable you're enabled um and yeah wasn't there was, like a, a it book was really hard a, a
0: famous phrase that came out like the corporation of me or the corporation of one or something like that i I'll have to look that up someone wrote a book about that, and that that really caught on right for a time and i think that that got yeah. into that
1: yeah it was it was it was very startling to employees um you know, you are empowered and they're like, yay, but wait a minute. Am I hold on? (laughs) Do I know what to do? Um, So uh, what I see now is a little bit of a pendulum kind of coming back to the middle, but in a nice way that is more helpful. So um, what I see is corporations um, saying, yes, employee, you are accountable um, for your own development, and uh, you are empowered and enabled, um, but I'm really going to help you make these opportunities available, as opposed to what we did when the pendulum went the other way or you know, swung in a, an extreme direction. It was very hands-off. You're accountable and for your own development, and all I'm going to do is give you a link to a Skillsoft catalog or something. <laughs> right. And right. I, there's no no dig against Skillsoft at all. It was just like that's what that's what the answer was. Um, and it was you know one tiniest fraction of one percent got some really high end um, you know face to face learning opportunities, really amazing things, and ninety nine point nine 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 just got a link, and and said you're accountable. And that so that was two that was too extreme. Yeah. And again, no, no dig at, against anybody at all. It's just, I just saw that in lots of companies. Um, and, and really where I'm seeing now is um, companies being more selective about um, the resources that they bring into their catalog, right? They don't bring in a million things. They bring in what's relevant, whether it's e-learning or, or video library or something like that. They bring in what's relevant to their employees and they make suggestions they say, you are accountable, but this would be helpful if you mm-hmm. did this and this and this. You can do it if you want. You don't have to. But if you did, you know, this is what we recommend. If you wanted to take the time, this is what we recommend. So it's, it's, it's not hand-holding, but it's guidance and it's um, suggestions. Um, and it's a thoughtfulness from companies around where are you now? Where do you want to go here are the steps to get from A to B. You can go there if you want, but this is what we recommend. There's no guarantee if you do steps, you're going to get this XYZ promotion, mm-hmm. but this would set you up um, nicely to be a, a strong candidate for that if you wanted to move that direction. So it's a nicer balance. It's a more um, human um, approach. That's, it really takes into consideration more sort of natural human motivations, Um to how people are approaching this. And, and that's really what's exciting about data and analytics because companies are applying now a, a much more um, data-driven response to this challenge, right? They can say, the profile of these candidates, um, you know, algorithmically are more likely to want to take this this type of job. And we know, statistically speaking, this series of classes or experiences or relationships or, you know, mentoring opportunities, whatever, this series of 10 development experiences are more likely to prepare the candidate for this next job Mm -hmm. um, if they take this, you know, this path. So we, as companies, we can be, we can be much more um, strategic in our use of our limited budgets and we're not You know, just sort of scattershot throwing out training, uh, but we're being very um, deliberate and precise about which learning and development opportunities would apply best to which type of candidate to make them ready for their next opportunity.
0: Yeah. Jenny, let me do a quick reset. This is the HR Happy Hour show. My name is Steve Ows. I'm joined by Jenny Dearborn, the senior vice president, chief learning officer at SAP, and we're talking about learning in organizations and some of the changes we've seen in learning uh, that Jenny's seen and, and how organizations are approaching learning. And Jenny, you mentioned some several really interesting things. I'm trying to decide which way I want to go next, but I, I think I, I guess I'll talk just I'll ask quickly about career development since you mentioned it. I've seen a lot of uh, software in the last, say, 10 years or so, or maybe seven or eight years, uh, HR and, and learning software, that seems to have brought the concept of uh, more robust career development and how that interrelates with uh, learning opportunities uh, to the forefront to employees. And Again, we're not talking about specific software here at all, but we're just talking about the concept. Is, 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 but have you seen you know organizations that you, that you know of and, and that you've worked with that, this focus on career development is something – has that become even greater in the last few years as well, in particular when I think of it as, as, as a labor market, at least certainly here in the U.S., has gotten really tight you know, in the last seven or eight years as well. Is career development on the minds of more learning leaders than, than before?
1: Um, I'm going to rephrase that. I, I think that um, uh, competency development um, – Skill development, um, your career path. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. It just it, when I when I hear you say career development, that it it and maybe it's the term, but it's been around for such a long time that it makes me feel like something we talked about 20 years ago as a function. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need new words. Um, to describe maybe what you're asking yeah, as a, as an, is in, an industry, we, um, we need to be talking about getting ourselves ready for two years down the road, five years down the road. And we need to be focused on what can we do to make ourselves the most employable, the most ready, um, doing work that is exciting, um, always challenging us. And I think that's the role of learning and development. Um, But career development in its traditional um, context, it it sort of makes me nervous because I worry that someone is going to look at that and say, oh, career development, you're getting me ready for what I'm going to do 30 years from now, if you're an early talent, or you're getting getting me ready for something that's going to happen 15 years from now, if you're you know, a talent that's been in the workforce for a while. And I just want us to be careful that what we're doing in learning and development is we're infusing curiosity and uh, creativity and innovation and a thirst for learning, and uh, we are creating robust development opportunities to get people ready for what's next, which it might not be what eventually happens in their careers yeah. long term, right? So does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it sure does. Re- and you I have, you... have
1: re- rephrased your thought. No, thoughts?
0: I'm glad you did, Juddie. This is why we have, like, people who know what they're talking about on the show, and, and we don't listen to just what I say. So, um you taught, you mentioned, you mentioned and if Trish were here, she'd be making fun of me as well, which is great. So, if, Jenny, one of the things I wanted to talk about, like, uh, uh, just a little bit, and then we, we probably can't get into it as much as I'd love to, but I, I don't know, I you know, I should, I didn't read all the detailed notes. I have a 16-year-old son, maybe you have kids, I don't know what, if you do, I don't know what age they are, but... They're entering or will enter a different world of work say than we did at least that's for sure right and, and certainly our parents did in, in such and and you mentioned something about you know kind of getting people thinking about the next couple of years or the three years and not necessarily that thirty year arc of a career, particularly at one organization which is almost impossible to to pull off these days if anybody even wants to and so i, I you know I'd love for you to comment a little bit about kind of preparing sort of the next generation you know and if we just want to talk about kind of entry-level folks entering organizations that's fine too but if you do think about this at all and i'm not sure if you do if you think about kids or younger folks who are going to be coming up through uh, high school college maybe some sort of apprenticeship and such what are the kinds of things you advise people on or you talk to organizations about in terms of getting folks ready for this really different kind of world where things are moving faster 10 years or shorter and and you may not know for certain what the next 30 years look like. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. This, this is a topic I I think about um, a lot and, Mm -hmm. uh, and talk to organizations about a lot and have written about and things like, so I have four kids. Um, They are uh, 24, 19, 16, and 13. uh, So you've got, you've got a lot. Yeah. You've got a good cross section. 14. Sorry, the youngest is 14. He'll he'll kill me if I said 13. Um, And um, our approach to learning really needs to change because of the changing nature of work. And we really used to have um, a very sort of traditional approach to thinking about learning and work, which um, uh, the authors of The 100-Year Life call the three-stage model, which is that you learn a thing, and then you go and do that thing and then you retire from that thing right so you learn to be an accountant you're an accountant then you're a retired accountant and you, then you're a dead accountant right so that's a pretty standard <laughs> oh, I love, I, I'm approach. laughing it's not really funny but it is funny i, I know that's,
0: that's It's not great. funny. Yeah.
1: But and and you if you just retired you you know you probably had about a 40 year career um, and life expectancy is you know it's about 75 or something, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a good run, right? Yeah. You had a good run. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and if you just retired, probably you're, you're what you learned and then what you applied to your work environment, maybe it didn't change that much. And that was a good run. And what we're seeing with our wonderful longevity that we're experiencing globally um, is that we need to prepare ourselves for careers that are 60 or 70 years long, right? If you're born today in North America, you have a 50% chance of living to 105. If you're born today in Japan, you you have a 50% chance of living to 110. So what do you learn to get yourself ready for that longevity, right? Um, And what do you study? What are the foundational, um, you know, concepts that you need to learn? If you... If you believe, which many people do, that anything that can be automated will eventually be automated, anything that can be outsourced to artificial intelligence you know, will be, everything that you know, can be connected to the Internet will be, and it'll create all this amazing big data, which, you know, which will drive our lives, um, if that's the way of the world, if that's your worldview, then what's left right. for humans? right? Um, and just to carry this thought further, so if, if what's left for humans, it's our ability to adapt. It is our flexibility, our resilience, our grit. So what do you learn if you're, you know, instead of learning to be an accountant, be an accountant, be a retired accountant, you need to learn to learn. You need to learn to unlearn. You need to learn to relearn. And you need to prepare yourself for a 50, 60, potentially 70-year career change work learn change learn something new go do that thing become an expert in it change again learn something new work learn change work learn change that's what you're you're driving and then you retire you know you're retiring at 80 yeah Yeah. um you know if you're living to a hundred because you're healthier longer you're mentally sharp longer you're physically fit longer you can work longer Um, so people are going to want to, right? Um, So the skills are quite um, different. It really is um, what is uniquely human, critical thinking skills, complex problem-solving skills, design thinking, creativity, innovation, empathy, emotional intelligence, cross-cultural awareness, persuasion, active listening, dynamic learning, Mm -hmm. you know, change acceptance, all of this. It's it's um, it, these are very human skills, um, and I'm not at all advocating moving away from STEM um, or you know the foundational uh, literacy and numeracy and and things like that. Not at all. I'm am when I speak with uh, education groups, my um, my challenge to them is to integrate this more, right? So teach math using critical thinking skills. Teach social studies using complex problem-solving skills, teach your language using group work skills. Flex these human muscles while you're learning other subjects and embed that and integrate that more dynamically. Um, Because really the best jobs, if your definition of the best is the highest earning, so I should (laughs) say really the highest earning jobs moving forward will be technology-based jobs. Um, so, you know, it really, and the highest earning jobs moving forward will be the ones that have high math skills and high social skills. So your high human skills plus a really strong foundation in STEM. So for my kids, I have one kid that's graduated from college, one that's in college and two that are in high school. And, you know, uh, so I, I, my counsel to them and any parent that will listen to free advice um, <laughs> is um, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Right. Uh, they need to be prepared for a long career um, and that the more human experiences and human skills you have, the better it grounded in STEM. Right. So, you know, what's the rush getting out of college in four years? maybe five years and be a double major of uh, humanities and a science. You know, that's, that's my free advice. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, I, what mean, I tell my kids.
0: I, I think it's you great. Know, I was listening. A I, I have a 16 year old, so I was listening intently to, to the advice. And I think, I, you know, I'd certainly agree with it. I mean, I think, I think that, that idea of the, the, yeah, the truth is the fundamentals of math, science, engineering, you know, computer science and such underpin a lot of the most, Uh, you know, sought-after kinds of roles, the most highly paying kinds of roles, but those will all change. The specifics of them will all change. I mean, I guess unless you're doing some fundamental scientific research on, you know, the nature of gravity or something like that, that probably won't change very much, if at all, but um, everything else will, right? The computer language that's in vogue today for building next-generation apps or or, or services – that won't be the same one five years from now, seven years. It might not, it might not be the same one right. two years from now, right? But if you've developed that ability to adapt, as you said, that flexibility, resilience, and, and that ability to relate as a human to other people, right, in your community and in your work group or in your, your larger organizational group, that's going to stand you very, very well to, to, to better prepare you to deal with these inevitable technology changes, right, over time. I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's mm-hmm. great advice. Hey, Jenny, yeah. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I want to – we didn't talk too much about data, not enough anyway, and that's probably my fault, but I know you've got a, a book coming out fairly soon. Maybe we could talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that as as we wind it down. The book uh, coming out in November, it's called The Data-Driven Leader, A Powerful Approach to Delivering Measurable Business Impact Through People Analytics, uh, coming out in November. Maybe you could talk a, a couple of minutes about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So – Um, It is a follow on to uh, my 2015 uh, bestseller called Data Driven, which talked about that first book was about how to take the big data um, that is available to you within a corporation and apply um, predictive analytics to that data set to be able to um, drive decisions around sales to increase your revenue and your uh, productivity of individual sales reps. Um, so it's, you know, really to that it's it really is people analytics, but specifically for sales. Okay. And so when I would did the book tour for book one, people had said, ah, yeah, but you know, there's so much data in sales. That's easy to do. Mm, right. Choose something that's actually hard, right? Uh, leadership. That's really hard. You can't apply data to leadership. And I was like, okay, I'll take your challenge. So, um, <laughs> so the second book is specifically around how to bring together all of the data sources within a corporation and apply that to decision-making um, around leaders, leadership specifically, and all of the aspects and all of the functions within a corporation and how to apply that um, to improving the entire business, not just the sales function within a business. And it's it's written um, in a in- sort of a, a fictional fable, oh, okay. uh, approach. So it's very relatable. Same with the first book. It's very relatable cast of characters. Um, they're working through a real case study. Um, all the numbers and data are, you know, is, um, is, a you know, a real simulation. So you okay. can sort of test it as you go. Um, and so it just makes it, you know, lots of graphs and charts of, of what these people you sort of follow them for a year on in their challenge as they start with a business that's a complete disaster. What do they put in <laughs> place? How do things change? What are the results they see? You know, and kind of follow them uh, through the course of this year as they turn their business around.
0: Awesome. Jenny, well, thanks. And again, that's called the Data Driven Leader, a powerful approach to delivering measurable business impact through people analytics available in November 2017. I guess available everywhere, Jenny, Amazon, all the places where you get books these days. Yep. All right
1: yes uh, online in bookstores
0: everywhere are there bookstores left i think there's one in my town maybe absolutely left. come
1: okay. on now absolutely. i know <laughs> a shout out for your local books your
0: there, book i think there is one still awesome jenny this has been loads of fun i i want to thank you for taking some time to talk with us today uh i'm super uh great to meet you great to talk to you really excited to find another comic book geek in the world so uh Yay! that's awesome and uh Uh, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate your time today and and definitely uh, folks check out the the new book when it comes out in November, we'll have the links and everything up on the show notes uh, so you can, you can connect with Jenny. Jenny, if people want to see your artwork, is that something people can see online? Is there a place for that? Sure.
1: Yeah, there is. Where where do we go for that? If you, I guess if you just, I think if you Google my name, there's, plenty of um, pictures of me in my house with my artwork behind me, stuff like that. But you could see it it if you just Googled my name.
0: All right, we're going to do that. We're going to check some of that out. So awesome. Uh, Jenny, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys, to the HR Happy Hour Show. Quickly, thanks again to Virgin Pulse, our show sponsor, www.virginpulse.com. Dot com. Uh, hope to see lots of you at the HR Tech Conference in a couple of weeks. You know how to find that stuff. I won't repeat that again. Say hi to Trish. We'll see her again next time. And uh, uh, and subscribe, of course. We love it. The show's blowing up and uh, the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network blowing up as well. We've got more titles coming, I think, uh, this fall, so stay tuned for that. Subscribe, Apple Uh, podcast, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast, just search for HR Happy Hour and never miss a show. So thanks so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.